1: Particularly of the 20th verse, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now Christ shall be magnified in my body. I used to think that in, in the second letter to the uh, of chronic uh, of Corinthians and chapter 5, well, Paul gives us a kind of summary there of his theology. Uh, he believes that if we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And then verse 14, I've always considered, was the thing that really motivated him. He out everybody, he outsuffered everybody, he out everybody. <clears throat> I thought that 14th verse, the love of Christ constraineth me, was his main motivation. Along, along uh, again with the obligation to present Christ in all his majesty, all his glory, to remind us, as dear Keith said one day in my office, Uh, we were talking about the roads He said well all roads lead to the judgment seat which is true they do whether a democrat, an autocrat, a plutocrat or any other crat or a liberal or what you are whether we're slaves or free men intellectuals or ignoramuses black or white, rich or poor all roads lead to the judgment seat without exception now I've come to this conclusion re- re- reading recently in Philippians here that the motivation of the apostle in his zigzag course, not up and down spiritually, but zigzag in prison, out of prison, in weirdness, in fastings, in painfulness, in tribulation, in dress, distress, in perils of his countrymen, in perils of the deep, in perils of robbers, whatever it was, the one thing that motivated him, I believe, is in this 20th verse. As now always, Christ shall be magnified in my body. Or some put it, by my body, whether it by li- be by life or by death. The thing that gripped me as I read it this week, Christ may be magnified not in my ministry. Not in my miracles. Not in my super love. I outlove in, uh, everybody else in the world today. I out preach them. I outsuffer everybody but he says that Christ may be magnified in my body if you turn over to the uh, where is it chapter 4 verse 8 <coughs> this explains his life I think he says be careful for nothing be careful in everything and be thankful for anything That covers a lot of territory, doesn't it? The King James Version, of course, the best one says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto the Lord I believe that's a territory in which he lived and moved and had his being Now, this this epistle is very beautiful you know why? Because it's a love letter. Some of you ladies remember the first one you got. I guess it's stuffed away somewhere now. <clears throat> Tied up with a ribbon maybe. Or you threw it in the garbage as soon as you're ready. I don't know, but anyhow. <clears throat> love letters are beautiful. A fellow in our church fell in love with my sister. He wrote a letter to her. Boy. Shakespeare couldn't have done better he saw everything she dies like stars and her cheeks were rose and she was this I never knew
0: <laughs>
1: I've lived with her 20 years and never noticed one of the things he said she had because beauty again is in the eye of the beholder this is a lovely epistle for one thing there's no mention of sin in this epistle at all I think what he, uh, Paul, Paul is actually saying here that in the greatest suffering you can have the greatest joy. <clears throat> we like the bonuses we're not too, too, too anxious to have the burdens are we? If you read the epistle carefully you'll find that 14 times he mentions joy and he's in a stinking hall of a prison we wouldn't put a dog in him these days. No bed in it, no creature comforts rottenish food just a hellhole and yet here he is sending a letter of greetings and cheering to other people who should be writing letters to him so with all the greatness and all the pressure he says it's possible to have this uh, boundless joy again he does not mention sin he mentions flesh once and then dismisses it He's showing us that there's a grace of God far more exceeding and abundantly above all that we can either ask or think. The, the great old Scottish saint, Samuel Rutherford, <clears throat> some of you know that great hymn, The Sands of Time, was thinking. He didn't write it. Mrs. Cousins extracted phrases out of his wonderful diary and put that marvellous, marvellous hymn together. I think it's maybe the greatest hymn ever written. But he said, I have to go into the king's cellar to find the king's wine. I remember old houses not far from where we live. We got in one, one day. The owner's son was a friend of mine. He said, Ever been in our huge underground cellar?" I said, No. We went in and uh, there were all the old wine racks. We searched dozens. They were all empty. (laughs) It's a blessing they were. I'm sure I'd have got drunk that day. I was so thirsty in that old basement. But he said, look at the old wines they used to keep, labels, you know, from Portugal and Spain and here and there and champagne from France and all the rest of it. But they're not stored upstairs in the refrigerator, they're stored or were stored in dungeons, in the dark places. And we would like God to serve up, as it were, the wine of heaven just while we're living on the level, without any interruption of trial or tribulation or testing but that's not the way that God works (coughs) let me look over here a minute I've lost my marker here let me see I'll find it well oh, you can be looking right now at Rome. well you know it anyhow you know Romans uh, chapter 12 and think of the places where Paul talks about his body he doesn't talk about yielding your mind merely he says uh, in Romans 12 one and 2 I beseech you brethren therefore by the mercies of God that ye present your body a living sacrifice not your brain not your emotion not your spirit but if I said to somebody look here's my watch <clears throat> well, it's, it's a fairly modern one, you know, it doesn't have a battery. It doesn't have to wind it up. The old one they had works in, you know, they were marvelous old things. We used to call them stem winders. They're collector's items now. If I give a man my watch, I give him the works, I give him the hands, I give him the face, I give him everything. Well, if I present my body a living sacrifice, surely I'm presenting everything that I have. My spirit, my soul, and my body, for which Paul prays—you remember—when he's uh, praying to the, speaking to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5:23, he prays, "The very God of peace sanctify you wholly." And I pray that your spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. Faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it so I give my body in its entirety to God A a girl not very well known in England years ago wrote a beautiful hymn all for Jesus, all for Jesus all my beings ransom powers all my thoughts and words and doings all my days and all my hours she goes on to say let my hands perform his bidding Let my feet run in his ways. Let my eyes see Jesus only. Let my lips speak forth his praise. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. Then she says so beautifully, Since my eyes caught sight of Jesus, I've lost sight of all beside. So I enchained my spirit's vision, gazing on the crucified. Vision is so vital in the Christian life. On that Damascus road, I don't believe the Apostle Paul ever recovered from that experience of being blinded. Physically he did, his eyes were open, sure enough. But I believe that he was blinded to all the treasures of the world, as this girl says. Since my eyes caught sight of Jesus, I've lost sight of all beside. So enchained, my spirit's vision gazing on the crucified. Or if you want it in the words of Isaac Watts, after you've seen him, my richest gain I count but loss But as I've said so often, we use that phrase, you know One day, when we, the things of earth, after you've seen Jesus The things of earth will grow strangely dim You know, I, I like to turn that around and say When we get to heaven and look back The things of earth will look strangely grim We live, we, sp- we spend our time gathering sawdust. Everything that we spend our lives to get is perishable outside of the spiritual. Paul says we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. So the body can be a living sacrifice. In the same verse he said it can be holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. In its normal condition it cannot be that. A human body is corruptible. The flesh in us is corruptible. <clears throat> but once he takes us in his infinite mercy and Romans 5 is fulfilled and we receive the grace of God and we receive the peace of God and we begin to walk with God then we can present that body which he will sanctify a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God which is only our reasonable service. You know, this is a fantastic chapter, Romans 8. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and of death. Now come down. Verse 7, or verse 6. To be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace now how can you harmonize death and life a man called me yesterday talked I'm sure 40-50 minutes from California everybody's bewildered out there that's why so many of them come here you see but anyhow (coughs) oh he was in despair about the carnality mastering his life oh I'm a Christian I'm sanctified I said you are yeah but something carnal dominates me well that's ridiculous how can it be carnally dominated if you're spiritual this scripture is very clear to be carnally minded is death yes, is. I don't know I think preachers are the devil's advocates very often they defend sin better than an atheist right. telling you can't get rid of sin this side of eternity you have to have it it has to have dominion over you when the scripture says it doesn't Oh, this man had just one sin of the flesh that mastered him. He could not in any shape or form get the victory of it. I said, well, get it nailed to the cross. That's the answer. Again, Romans 6. If we're buried with him in baptism, as I use the illustration so often, if a man is standing here in the water and I bury him uh, under the water, he's cut off from the world above. He can't see the world above. He can't breathe the air above. He can't talk to the world above. He's cut off we saw some people baptized last week and I thought of them as they went through the water. symbolically they were saying look this is my grave I'm being buried to the world above it's idle pomp and fading joys as one hymn writer says somehow preachers love to uh, fall back on Romans 7 don't they here is the greatest man that ever lived I heard G. Campbell Morgan many times he's the most amazing Bible teacher i ever heard he gave a great message on holiness to about, I guess, four hundred preachers, <clears throat> and I kept, I kept squeaking out a little hallelujah because it was in a Methodist church, and you know, that's almost like shouting hallelujah in a morgue at times. <coughs> <laughs> so I squeaked out of it. Oh, people turned around and frowned on me, you know. So I thought, well, if you don't like that, wait till he says it again. So I said it again, and I said hallelujah, <coughs> <clears throat> which was all right but when he'd taken us into the heavenlies he said now don't think I'm preaching a second work of grace or you can be really holy in this life because even the apostle finished up he did not finish up in Romans 7 there happens to be a Roman 8. it happens to be in the Greek that there's no difference there's no division that's an artificial division and Paul says there's no answer in the law oh wretched man that I sure he said that who shall deliver me from this death but if he stopped there we'd be in trouble he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord that's why he starts Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those of us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free I guess you know that I do not, that's alright, thank you (laughs) take courage Well, that man's walked with God many years, a dear friend of mine. You know, every time I get in a plane, I hate planes, as I say, facetiously, flying is for the (laughs) birds. But every time that monster takes off, and I try and estimate how many tons of that, and tons of gasoline and tons of flesh, and tons of baggage, and it goes up like that. If I had a feather here and said, go up, it wouldn't, it just come down. But how does that monster keep going? (laughs) the law of gravity immediately leaves the ground the law of gravity pulls on it that's why it's harder to land the plane than take off isn't it? you see taking off you can put the thrust and blast of all the engines and up you go coming down gravity is pulling this way and he's fighting that way so he has to control the two powers gravity and the power of of the plane and it gets off because the power the thrust of those tremendous jets I suppose you know they were invented in England, anyhow, but anyhow... (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it amazing when you see that thing going down and you look at 300 passengers in that plane, all the baggage, all the luggage, all the gasoline? Off it goes real raw. Soon you're seeing the land, this, it's either dropping away or going up anyhow, but there it is. The thrust that's in there is greater than the law of uh, of gravity. Well then, what about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Oh, I love, as you know, I love resurrection hymns. Up from the grave he arose. I like that. As I said the other day when we sang it, sing it with a sneer. Death cannot keep its prey. Sin shall not have dominion over us. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Now that's a very wonderful text, isn't it? look at verse uh, 8 Romans 8 verse 8 ok so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God well there you are there's your answer no the answer's in the next verse but ye are not in the flesh you're talking about this flesh in one place and you're talking about a fleshy nature in the other Galatians 5 where all the, the works of the flesh are there which are manifest they're also corrupt But then you come down into uh, the next verse. Verse 9. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Look at verse 10. If Christ be in you. Verse 11. If the Spirit of him that raised up from the dead dwell in you. Good mercy. What do you want? If the Spirit of God in you. You If the Spirit of life in you. You If the Spirit of the Son in you. You If the Spirit of the Spirit in you. Well, how can there be room for carnality? knowing this Paul says that our old life our old man was crucified with him nevertheless I live he says yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me in verse in Romans 6 again and verse 11 he says Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. In the same verse he says, reckon, reckon the body to be dead indeed unto sin, but you are alive in God, in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and of death. That Christ may be magnified, through my body. I never heard anybody preach on this text, never preached on it myself. You remember the psalmist says, Upon an instrument of ten strings will I praise thee. What kind of a thing is that? A guitar or something? Harp? You say, I don't have an instrument of ten strings. Well, supposing you look at it this way you've got two feet, you've got two hands, you've got two eyes, you've got two ears, you've got one tongue, thank God, no more. And one heart, ten strings. That's why the girl says in that hymn, let my hands perform his bidding, let my feet run in his way, let my eyes see Jesus only, let my lips lips speak forth his praise. Or an American hymn, if you like, take my life and let it be. What do you sing there? Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love, take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet, its treasure store Take my will, that's the last area that we yield Take my will and make it thine Paul doesn't even say that Christ made me magnified by my epistles Though he wrote, at least I think he wrote the greatest things that any human being was ever allowed to write His magnificent epistles to the Romans, to the Ephesians so the Philippians, again, this is one of these jail writings. If you read it carefully, we don't have time to do that. <clears throat> if you read carefully through this, read through the first chapter. You'll see the position and life of the Christian. If you read the second chapter, you'll get the pattern of Christ. The third chapter, you'll get the energy that carries the Christian through this world. Chapter 4, the Christian superiority to all circumstances. In other words, this epistle is the whole character of the Christian life. It shows Paul, Paul, shows how to walk and work in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, of course, is the fire leader. He is the best example of it. I've said before, maybe say many times again, I think that Paul was the greatest genius the world ever saw. Colossal intellect A will that never tired A faith that never flinched A love that never broke down A courage that nobody could dominate He stands cheerfully before kings He's as happy in jail writing the epistle of love As he is in any circumstance of life So he shows us that the man can be complete However, whatever rate of genius he has That he can be complete in God without even being involved in this world outside in its material concept or business concept he's totally God's man I think it was Spinoza that talked about a God-intoxicated man that God-intoxicated man is the Apostle Paul in my judgment in perils of the deep he doesn't shake everybody else on the ship is terrified he stands by and captain sends for him and captain says what's wrong with you? wasn't that a night last night? Imagine the captain said I've been at sea for 50 years Never gone through a night like that I guess you were like the rest of us Cringing and holding on to your bed terrified No he said I had a great night I had a great time of fellowship Fellowship? Is there other Christian on board? He said there was last night What's he called? He said an angel from heaven Of what? He said last night I'd had an angel visitor in my cabin Boy did we have a time talking about the glory and majesty of God everybody else is terrified you know I think that that experience that he had I forget the chapter where it is in Acts I think it's typical of the end of the age Paul got on board that uh, ship as a prisoner (laughs) and he ended as a pilot everybody got the jitters everybody was terrified everybody was vomiting and yelling and screaming and yelling and doing everything and there is glorifying God. See what strange people Christians are? You know he was so amazing that when they skinned his back until it was raw he said none of these things hurt me. No he didn't. All people say if you really get saved and filled with the Spirit you know you'll never be hurt you'll never have any troubles And tr- well I must be backslidden because I get a lot of them. He did not say none of these things hurt me He said none of these things move me You could have a blast from hell and not be moved If you're in the will of God They'll hurt How can you get victory if there's no battle? He said we're more than conquerors Through him that loved us What are you conquering? Ingrowing toenails? Charles Wesley has a hymn in which he says, "Should all the hosts of hell and powers of, should all the hosts of death and powers of hell unknown, put their most dreadful forms of rage and malice on, I shall be safe for Christ displays superior power and boundless grace." You see, Paul touched the powers of the world to come. To us, that's theology just that's something we're grasping after almost in blindness we're so happy to get rid of a lot of rotten sins and thank God for where we are but look at the territory there is yet for us to reach for you know God's problem with Israel was getting them out of Egypt they could have got out of Egypt into Canaan in 11 days they didn't even make it in 40 years most of them we've got people now who have been saved 20-30 years and another day older in the spiritual life they're no more mature they're no more spiritual strength they're no more spiritual understanding they're no more spiritual revelation why? because so often they've lived on meetings instead of living on Christ I don't care where you go what school you go to and I thank God for school this school particularly again but remember you can't what, what do you do when the school's pulled away from you? see so many people get happy and blessed whether in an association or fellowship and then you go and stick them up the Amazon somewhere they go to pieces can you imagine a man going to going to pieces who let me go back here and quote this exactly or or, or here in Romans 8 again verse verse 9 ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you And verse 10, if Christ is in you In verse 11, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead I said in the class Tuesday night We have a class here Tuesday night if you want to come with Starting with a person this week In Hebrews 11 The Holy Spirit of God is totally incapable of doing anything that's small The world in which we live is beautiful Carpeted with flowers and everything it was a ball of mud shut up in the womb of the universe. The Holy Ghost brooded over it. Out of chaos brought cosmos. And out of wildness he brought this marvelous system of the world. <clears throat> he brooded over chaos. He brooded over death and brought forth life. He brooded over the virgin of a little girl that nobody noticed hardly going up the street. I've often thought of a little Virgin Mary going up the street pregnant and people suspicious did you know about her? You know who she's keeping company with? You know how far along she is? <clears throat> they didn't think they were passing the creator of the universe in that little woman so near to her and never recognized it never knew it You know that's how like other people go to church they get within touching distance of Jesus and they never touch him they just go year after year week after week and never touch him the Holy Ghost came and did that miracle in her brooded over her and brought forth the most amazing creature that this world will ever know quote Wesley again you'll think I'm a Wesleyan <coughs> Wesley says God was contracted to a span incomprehensibly made man here is the one that the heaven of heavens cannot contain him contain and he's shut up in the little womb of a woman he made all the food in the world, and yet he has to sustain his life by, uh, from his mother's breast. He owns the world; he made it, and yet he never owned a, a stick in it. He owns all things, and yet never had a dime. But after he brooded over the universe, after he brooded over the virgin, he brooded over a bunch of men in Peru. They weren't all geniuses by a long way, other than were cowards. And now they went, streaming in the power of the Holy Ghost. I puzzled over this again today. If you can help me, write me a dissertation on it. We're supposed to have about, what? Fifteen million people in America today filled with the Holy Ghost manifesting gifts and nobody knows we're here. Only 120 in the upper room and they turned the nation upside down. What's, wrong? What's the difference between their baptism and ours? tell me maybe you're right there partly right I'm sure but then after the creation that the Holy Ghost did after the miracle of the birth of Jesus after the men in the upper then you've got this wonderful word of God the creation holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost I heard of a local preacher saying not too long ago the story of of John is a fish story well sure it is it isn't about a donkey is it
0: <laughs>
1: but all he meant was something a bit fishy about it that's what he meant which is not true because Jesus said does he deny what the word of Jesus a man that denies scripture should renounce his job and go sell hamburgers he came in as a fundamental believer and he becomes a liberal he should get out, of the, the, out at the back door <clears throat> I'd fire him if I had any power over that guy but here we have the Holy Spirit of God creating through all kinds of men. A man that climbs trees and gathers sycamore fruit. A man of a colossal intellect at the other end of the line like the Apostle Paul. A shepherd like David. A wise man like Solomon. And yet the wonder of this book is so indestructible. <clears throat> men have burned it and banned it and blamed it. Isn't it Tennyson has a poem in which he says Men may come and men may go But I go on forever Well the word of God is like that You know one of the great contemporaries of John Wesley Was a very very powerful speaker in France By the name of Voltaire He ridiculed really the scriptures <clears throat> One day he said in his little house A hundred years from now Bibles will be in museums well, he didn't miss it by much, did he? Except about, about, about a thousand million copies. Bibles will be museum pieces. People won't bother. They'll be so advanced they won't bother with the Bible. One of the nice things that World War II did was blow his little house off the face of the earth. <laughs> <coughs> you know not long before a few years before that happened a few years before that happened the Geneva Bible Society bought that house and distributed Bibles all through Europe out of the very house where he said that the Bible wouldn't be existing in a hundred years here it is it's God's word and it will last forever thy throne O God is forever and ever Heaven and earth may pass away. My word shall not pass away. Here it is. Has all the power of God behind it? So, come on now. The Holy Spirit of God who invaded the lives of those men in the upper room, according to Romans 8 here, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead abides in us. He's risen us from the dead spiritually we can think and move and have our being in God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit <coughs> Lowry, an old, old Nazarene had a, a marvelous book that's out of print it's called The Possibilities of Grace i never read it, I've just peeped into it, I have an old, old copy but I think of that so often it stretches out the possibilities of grace what's a good book say I hath not seen ear heard nor hath it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love it that he has revealed unto us not to the world they stagger at it impossible how amazing that a human being corrupted defiled doomed damned can be forgiven cleansed and indwelt by the spirit of God and become a living vessel of God God has yet to produce the greatest men ever. I don't believe God went off production with Wesley and Finney and uh, George Whitfield. Or the great men who built the old spiritual empires like Hudson Taylor and others that went to China and Gilmore to Mongolia and Judson to Burma and Kerry. Uh, First missionary from England to India was Kerry. I preached in his church once there in, is it in Calcutta? I think it is and there was the other little man, Henry Martin I said to the class the other night, I wish some of you folk would wake up and use your brains while you're young enough to use them there was a young lady singing on TV, I love to hear these great singers she was a great singer, about 220 pounds could she sing? She's born in a little shack somewhere up in the Mississippi area or somewhere. Might, might have ended up serving hamburgers to somebody. Somebody took her in the home, she twinkled with the piano and then they discovered she had a voice. So they, they got her to sing. I think she wanted a conservatoire in Milan and various other places. Now she can sing in about five different languages. Did somebody suddenly suspect that in that girl was all this talent and all this ability? No, they just gave her a chance in one direction. She took off in another. Now look, if she could learn, and I guess now she's only about 26 or seven, something maybe at 18, she began to struggle with playing, struggle with singing, and, and struggle with languages. You know, the Roman Church is pretty smart. There's a great college in Ireland called Maynooth. You can send a ploughboy into that school that can hardly do his mathematics or anything. They'll turn him out in five years and he can recite the whole mass in Latin. They have other convents where they take young ladies. they be the average farmers' daughters. They'll talk with them. Show them maps of the world. Tell them the need in the world. Lack of education. Lack of Christianity, so forth. Those girls will get down. Oh, I think I would like to go to South America. Okay. Brazil. What? Portuguese. All right. Uh, Argentina. Spanish. Some other area. You know, every time they send a missionary out, the missionary knew the language before they got there. What did they do? They went into the school system and taught... Therefore, the churches didn't have to support them because they were earning their money. They didn't have to wait to stammer out language for a few years. Immediately they got off the boat, they could speak the language. Immediately they were put into operation to teach in the schools and to teach religion. In other words, when they went, they were already accomplished in languages. And again, because of that, they could sign up in government jobs and there was no support needed at home Now here sometimes Very often with people Oh we'll take you on But you have to go around churches begging Ask them to support you Ask them to give you so much a month So much a month So much a month. I think God must be embarrassed by the church these days What beggars we are Why can't you use your brains now Get a language Get awakened Get stirred in your spirit. Find out where God wants you. There are lots of hell holes that need the light of the gospel. If you think you may have the courage, why not pray about going to Russia? Get behind behind that curtain there or the iron curtain. I don't I, I think I'm right in saying this, I'm not sure somebody can correct me maybe. I don't think there are five missionaries in the whole of Albania, rather they purged Albania somewhere in the last century I think they put Christians in barrels and sealed up the barrels and pushed the barrels out on the tide as it was receding out to the ocean and there they were cooped up in those horrible things the sun coming in and roasting them no food no anything they exterminated the church to that degree there but there's a challenge there's nobody in Albania why not be the first to go What about getting behind Yangtun Czechoslovakia Some of the other countries What about the uh, What 800 million people in China This week they said There were 700 million in in India (coughs) It has about what 400 languages and dialects The world population now Is the greatest it's ever been in history There are more lost people tonight and ever have been in history and yet I think there's more indifference sure we give a little bit to support of mystery we do this we do the other but that great dominion of Satan is almost unchallenged in the day in which we live now it's in this same epistle isn't it? yes in this same epistle where, where Paul says let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus well actually that that literally is translated let the love which dominated the life of Jesus the disposition of Jesus be yours and his was a disposition of love of concern everywhere he went he went out doing good well if that mind is in me I'll tell you what I'm going to have some restless minutes or restless hours I'm going to have to struggle with my own conscience I'm going to have to struggle with the light I have I'm going to have to struggle with the challenge that comes to me from a dozen different countries to get the message of Jesus Christ there while it's yet date. Christ may be magnified in my body he was magnified through his brain I'm sure God could have shared some things he shared with any other person but except Paul magnified with his spirit his hands he wrote his epistles he didn't type them he didn't dictate them he struggled with some kind of instrument maybe a quill I don't know But every part of his being was coordinated to the service of God. That Christ may be magnified. I mentioned this last Sunday morning. Before long we'll have some lovely flowers around here. They're called dandelions. (coughs) Nobody cuts them and puts them on the the table in the house. You may have 20-20 visions. But you haven't seen the beauty of a dandelion. Not until you take a magnifying glass and look through it like that and suddenly you see it is the most exquisite flower maybe God ever made. But we don't see it with our 2020 vision. You need a magnifying glass. You look through it and when you see it that thing comes alive. That's what Paul says that Christ made me, when people look at my life Jesus Christ is clearer and nearer and more Wonderful. Is that true? Do you think your children would say that? Oh, my daddy and mummy, I've never seen Jesus, but I know Jesus is like, he's like my daddy. As I said last Sunday, old Jonathan Edwards gets uh, ridiculed, you know. He took a stack of notes and he read through them and he had a candle here and his big frowning face and a gravel voice and he reads through his sermon the greatest most famous sermon outside of the Bible sinners in the hands of an angry God and people all remember because he thundered they said that when people fell off their seats instead of showing mercy he kind of thrust the thing into them deeper the truth of God people hung on to pillars that were supporting the gallery because they were afraid they'd fall into the abyss but he didn't spare them for was in my house the other day Last Sunday night he preached in one of the, maybe the largest church in Denver, Colorado. <clears throat> he said, Len, as we sat there, it was ready, I, I was ready to preach and suddenly I was overcome with grief and I just walked forward and sat on the floor, didn't go to the pulpit and I began to weep. God just gave me such a burden and he said, look, there's a congregation about 3,000. He said, there's a girl in here who has been molested by a man, sexually molested. And the man is going to go to jail. And as he said it, a girl about 16 ran down the aisle and she said, Mr. Wilkerson, I'm the girl that has been molested. My daddy did it and he has to go to jail. David just groaned. He said there must have been 15 or 16 other young women came there and said, my father or brother or somebody is, is assaulting me sexually every week. And he said, My spirit just groaned, and he, he stayed there 50 minutes weeping. I said, Dave, bless you. The average preacher would have said, uh, I just had a kind of a little upset in my spirit. Uh, I feel there's somebody in trouble. Uh, I'd like a few of you to pray. Raise your hands. We're going to pray for this girl. She's in trouble. I know she is. Instead of that, he swept all his theology, sermon on one side and obeyed the Holy Ghost, the whole church broke up in weeping and brokenness, seeking God. Same thing happened without ever ever having to open his mouth preaching. I'm sure that's the kind of spirit that the apostle had, because it's the spirit of Christ indwelling him. It's the spirit of God dwelling in him. The fruit of the spirit as I've said if Jesus had ever said if he said one word differently it would have killed a ten million arguments since Pentecost if he said by their gifts ye shall know them it would have killed a million arguments but he didn't say by their gifts he says by their fruits and the fruit of the spirit is number one what? love the spirit of Christ is love God so loved the world love again is the badge of discipleship love was unquestionably to me a motivating power in the life of the Apostle Paul but he says my supreme driving power is this that wherever I go I go to the bond of the free to the barbarian I go to the Greeks I go to the intellectuals on Mars Hill I go in prison wherever I go I want Christ to be magnified I don't want somebody to say if that's Christianity I don't want it I don't want somebody to say you know the way you live you blur the image of Christ I want those people to look through my life and say I see Jesus Christ well that's what he dared to say he says Christ he doesn't say I'm saved he doesn't say I've had the baptism he says Christ lives in me it's much easier to say I'm saved it's much easier to say I've had the baptism we're accepted on par with the rest of the people in the church Supposing you stand up in the next test, if the pastor, anybody wants to testify, you stand up and say, Christ lives in me. Somebody say, I never knew that. Never even thought about it. Go back to Jonathan Edwards. Grown, sure, he groaned. Sure, he But his daughter said, People think my daddy is a severe man, a man that pours out judgment but she said in the home he lives just like Jesus and every day my mummy comes out of the closet she said her face shines like the face of Moses shone because she spends at least two hours in prayer with God every morning and oh when she comes through the house there's something so different, so fragrant well that's what God wants isn't it? He wants sin to have no dominion over us But we have dominion You know what the Greeks used to say Man know thyself The Lord says Control yourself In the spirit What did he say Paul says I keep my body under I control it I control my passions I control my appetite He was never an excessive eater I'm sure of that I don't think he was an excessive sleeper You know, it it looks a bit chronic when you put it this way. We live, what, 24 hours a day. Supposedly, we work 8 hours. We have 8 hours free. And we sleep 8 hours. Put that into 60 years, what do you do? You sleep 20 years. You work 20 years. And you're free 20 years. Doesn't look too much when you take it in the day, does it? 8 hours... 8 hours of sleep 8 hours ok but when you put it in 20 years sleeping 20 years of uh, idleness maybe 20 years of work it's a very very different thing now this man is the man who eats up the time he buys up the opportunity as the translation says when he says redeeming the time which literally from the Greek is redeeming the time He's buying up the opportunity. This opportunity will not come tomorrow, it comes today. So I buy it up, I eat it up. I don't want to waste time, waste money, waste opportunities. You know, it's not difficult, it's not a case of living in a kind of a steel shell. It's a case of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit governing my life, that He constrains me when I'm too slow and He restrains me when I'm too quick. And it's joy to be in submission to him. Paul says he's a bond slave of Jesus Christ, a happy slavery, a joyful, ma- a joyful to serve a master like that. That Christ may be magnified by my body, he says, whether by life or by death. It doesn't matter which way. Well, there's no other way to live, surely. having the body under control by the power of the Spirit presenting my body a living sacrifice, number one holy, number two, acceptable, number three all packed up in that first verse of Romans 12 which is really only the normal Christian life there's only one kind of Christian life really, that's the life of holiness We have a challenge before us tonight in prayer. We have a few. Brother David Wilkerson is preaching in a college tonight. Preaching in a college tomorrow night. Uh, Preaching somewhere, I think, in Pennsylvania on Sunday. A brother that comes here sometimes, Brother Bob uh, Roberts, He's going out on a mission this coming week And then next Friday he and a group of men I think ten of them are going down to Belize again To hold some evangelistic services there Chip Arnold was here last week Uh, Chip called in today uh, His mother's quite sick She has to have surgery on Monday And he has a strep throat And the doctor says Well you can't go see your mother Because you may add to her problem So he requested prayer tonight for himself And for his mother the news this week, of course, has been about India, which our precious friends love so much If the Sikhs are being murdered, mur- murdering the others I have an idea that Christians aren't getting away with much freedom Do those men that work with you, in, are they still in prison in Nepal? Well, some
0: of them, is really some of them.
1: Young men in prison in Nepal, north of India, only for preaching, not for rioting, just for preaching you see if you serve the devil you go to jail if you go to Christ you should go to jail so there they are those wonderful young men up in Nepal that have it rough any time anywhere in prison for Christ's sake some liberated periodically they go in and come out there's no safety what are the Christians suffering right now in India tonight must be appalling I'm amazed that rioting hasn't broken out in Poland yet, I think it will it's a very serious situation Yet I don't know anybody too anxious about it, do you? Check up for a minute, have you shed any tears over it today? Have you missed a meal so you'd have more time to pray and intercede? Hmm? Let my eyes see Jesus only. We see the world, its customs, its fascinations. We get mesmerized by materialism. We live in the present instead of, we should be living for eternity even now at our feet are on earth. We should be so different from the rest of the tribe around us, but I'm afraid very often we're not. The life which I now live in the flesh, what kind, is it a life of victory or a life of failure? Is Christ magnified in my personality, through my mind, through my spirit, through my emotions, through my body? Or am I just Mr. Average Christian, a pew-dweller? I just pay my tithes and I love the pastor. And the world goes to hell. <clears throat> in all these awesome men, again, I'm not suggesting for a minute if you do everything that Paul did you'll become another apostle Paul not so that's already been done there's no more epistles to write but we can become men of like character and that's what God wants emptied of self filled with God not just having a mind of my own but having the mind of God working through my mind through my emotions through my heart through my conscience through my will there's that restless troubled world people will die by the thousands maybe before this business is over in India and go straight to a lost eternity two thousand years after Jesus was born mercy on us there are more lost people without God than ever what is it every day a quarter of a million babies are born and they'll never hear the gospel every day at least a hundred thousand die throughout the world that have never heard the gospel. This man has a consuming passion for one thing, that Christ may be known, whether by life or by death, I don't care. He signed himself away one day. When he died on the cross with Jesus Christ, he died to all his ambitions, he died to all earthly honors, he died to his nation, he was a tribe of Benjamin, a seed of Abraham, he had every cultural advantage, Every intellectual advantage I lay in dust life's glory dead He said Hundreds of men have done it since I'm going to ask you to sing a hymn And then we go straight to prayer Don't sing it if you don't mean it Please 363 363 Let's
0: stand and sing Our prayer is that you have been blessed and encouraged by this sermon To download full sermons go to our website www.sermonindex.com You can contact us through the website and please share a testimony of how this sermon has ministered to you